0: I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore campus, Gulf Coast, all the men and women at the Orleans Justice Center online and here at Little Creek to the fourth week of our series entitled Soul Detox. Come on, can we just welcome all those joining us right now? So excited to have you guys. You know, we are in week four of a five-part series called Soul Detox. And again, we'll be finishing up next week and then starting uh, Unshaken a study in First Thessalonians. And last week, if you weren't here, we talked, about, we talked about the tormented soul. And we talked about the things that torment us. Number one, the things that we have done. And number two, the lies that we have believed. <clears throat> we talked about how it is that we are to overcome that. And God has given us a, a wisdom from his word to overcome all of those things that would seek to torment us. Today, I wanna talk to you about the trapped soul what do you do when your soul is trapped in emotions that are toxic you know i don't know about you but i don't like being trapped at all physically i don't like being trapped matter of fact when the airplane i've been on airplanes before where they're like you know we're we're gonna there's a small mechanical problem you have a choice to get off or to stay on the runway for an hour i'm like i'm getting off I don't like anything that's even close to being claustrophobic. I mean, it's just like, I oh, mean, I just got, well, you know, one time I actually got trapped on an elevator. I'm not talking about like five minutes. I'm talking about it was an extended period of time. I was in, in college and I was in New Orleans and one of the high rise buildings. And I never forget, we were, we, were, we were going up and, 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 and we got stuck and, and we weren't able to open the door and. It wasn't totally packed, but there was probably seven or eight people on there. And it was a decent sized elevator. And and I remember looking around and and you look around at people and you kind of have like this collective agreement when there's a moment where you're like, okay, we're like officially trapped. This is a big deal, right? Immediately, I've got a couple thoughts that come to my mind. First of which is, how long is this going to take? Is this five minutes? Can you call somebody? What's going to happen? Which we did, but it took a lot longer than five minutes. The second one is this, because I'm a practical guy. (laughs) What about bathrooms? I mean, there's an issue here. There's people. How's this going to work? What's going to happen? And and, and I'm going to tell you, after about 30 minutes, I started looking at people like real close. I'm like, I'm not going to let you all eat me. I'm like, I've seen movies where this stuff happens. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to protect myself, man. I was like, listen, it seemed, it literally seemed like the whole day, but it's probably 30 to 45 minutes that, that we were trapped. I'm not talking about being physically trapped today. I'm talking about what do we do when we are entrapped by toxic emotions that are holding us back from becoming what God has called us to be. Now, again, I want to make a statement I've made for the last four weeks. I think it's very, very important. Watch this. Here it is. We, here it is. We are not a body with a soul, but we are a what? Say it a, with a, your body's going to die. My body's going to die. I'm all, I think health and fitness is important. I think eating right's important, taking care of your body. But I don't care what you do. It's going to die at some point. But your soul's going to live forever. Shouldn't that be the thing that we attend to the most? How is your soul? Like I said, week one, isn't it interesting in our culture? We, whenever you ask somebody, how are they doing? Oh, I'm fine. You know, no, really. We've been real busy. Why don't we shift the narrative a little bit and the question say, how is your?" Say it soul. How's your soul doing? Oh man, that's like too heavy. But isn't that the real essence of who we are? We've had a theme verse throughout this series, and I'll read it one more time. And we're asking the question, the question is, is it biblical for Christians to have a soul detox. Now, again, none of us would argue with the fact that as an unbeliever, you've gotta be cleansed of your sin, you've gotta trust Christ, you've gotta come into relationship with God. Nobody has a problem with that, we understand that. The question is not whether or not the believer needs to be cleansed, it's whether or not, or the unbeliever, it's whether or not the believer. Do I still need to be cleansed as a believer? Do do I still, listen, are there impurities, are there toxicity, are there things around me, things in me that still need to be cleansed as a believer? And I'm going to resoundingly say what? Say it. Yes. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, beloved. Everybody say beloved. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to his people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, beloved, let us, say it, where it is, cleanse We want to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there is is a biblically appropriate level of cleansing for all of us as believers. Here's my question. Do you need to be cleansed? Are there things in your life, are there things in your mind, in the realm of your emotions, are there there things, maybe habits or hangups, things that you're doing that you know that are not, helping you they're not advantageous to you and 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 you're like through this seriously you know pastor i i realize that that i need some cleansing today i want to talk to you about three toxic emotions Three emotions that I think that we all need to be cleansed with. One of the principles that I taught you guys last week and the week before and the week before is that you and I, all of us in here, whether you are a priest or a preacher and get paid by a church, all of us need to learn how to preach somewhere. David said in Psalms chapter 42, he said, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? David is talking to his, what Everybody say Soul. Why are you, why are you crying the blues? All of us need to learn how to preach to our soul. We've got to learn how to encourage ourselves, how how to speak to those things that are against us, to loose us, and how to speak what needs to be placed within us. Today I want to talk to you about things that we need to speak to our soul, things that are injuring us, emotions that are trapping us, and some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're trying to move forward. But every time you start to move forward, you're pulled back like a bungee cord. It's like there's something in your life. There's something. That, and why is that? It's because there, there, are, there are toxic emotions that are trapping your soul. I don't, I don't want to have anything in my life that traps me. I don't want to have any emotion. Any I, don't, I don't want anything on the inside of me controlling me other than God's spirit. Do you have your notes, I'm going to ask you to take them out. I want to just go through three things. Number one, three toxic emotional traps. Number one, here's what I put down. We go from hurt to unforgiveness and bitterness. Let me stop right here. You and I are not exempt from hurt. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken culture. This cosmos is cracked. There's a real devil. There's really negative things that happen. Jesus said it this way. He said, in this world, you're going to experience some stuff. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The issue is not whether or not we're going to experience hurt. The issue is, do we, don't miss this, do we allow that hurt to go this way and move from hurt to unforgiveness and bitterness? You had that dream in your heart, man. I wanted to get that dream job. I was so excited about it. Man, I was fired up. I was pumped. And it didn't work out the way that I thought. Man, I had a relationship and everything was going well. And I felt like, man, I, I, I really felt good about it. I, I felt like, I mean, we were hitting on all cylinders and the last, the next thing you know, the last comment that was made is, is that I don't think it's gonna work out. What do you mean you don't think it's gonna work out? So there's an option. There's a moment where that hurt, what do you do with it? What do you do with that hurt? Everybody's been disappointed. You had a dream, you had a hope. You had a longing in your heart. There was something that you just knew in your spirit. Man, this is going to happen. I'm going to get into this college. I'm going to get into this medical school. I'm going to have this thing, this child, when I want this relationship, this business, this thing. And it didn't happen the way that you thought. There's a moment. Do I allow that emotion to go from hurt and disappointment, which is a natural emotion, but do I manage and process that with God? And with people that I trust, or do I fester and allow that thing to go in the negative and it moves into unforgiveness and bitterness? The writer of Hebrews said it this way about bitterness. He said, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. So you and I can actually miss out on walking in the power of God's fullness by something. We're about to identify. And that no, what is this word? Everybody say it. Bitter root. A root. root. Bitterness is a root. It's it's something that that goes down and latches onto. Let no bitter root grow up and cause trouble and defile many. So so what happens is when we don't process hurt appropriately, it goes from hurt to unforgiveness and bitterness. We get mad at God. We get mad at ourselves. We get mad at those that disappointed us. We get mad at somebody on the outside of us. Yeah, you know, uh, because of them, I'm where I am we get bitter, you know. My mom, my mom is a, a worker. I, my mom was raised by my grandma, who lived 100, a hundred, Cajun lady who was cutting her own grass at ninety two with an electric lawnmower. It's crazy. I mean, there's just worker people. And so, as a kid, I was a worker. She made me work. I had a job. I was fourteen years old. I had a, I had a job at Mister Clean Car Wash every weekend. That's what I did uh, on Friday and Saturday. And so, if you, you, at my house, you couldn't take naps. You couldn't be sick. Don't even be sick. Don't even be sick, because my mom's like, I don't have time for you to be sick. I was like, oh, okay, I got to go to school. I gotta, you know, of course, I had pneumonia twice. And so, like, because, <laughs> legitimately, I really died. You just can't be sick. So she's a worker. And so I cut the grass, chore. I mean, it's just there was no, no option. You're going to do everything. So one of the things we had to do is my brother and I had to take care of all the gardens and all this stuff. And I became highly proficient in pulling roots. And let me just say something right now. If you don't tend to that garden, if you don't deal with it when you should deal with it, it's a lot harder to deal with it later on. I never forget it. Man, Keith, I can't get this thing out. Well, we'd have been here a month ago when we should have been. See, here's the deal. When that root goes deep down, it's harder to get it out. How many times in our life have we allowed something to get deep down? It should have just been a hurt. And a disappointment, that's appropriate. Oh man, I'm bummed. But we allow that thing to go down and to, to fester. And the Bible says it defiles many. It doesn't. Here's the thing about bitterness. It, it's not a solo sport. It's gonna affect everybody around you. It's interesting, I, I remember in the late 90s, I was disappointed in a couple relationships in my life and it doesn't matter the details, but I'll never forget the first time I had a conversation with somebody about one of those individuals. And I remember the first time, and they said, oh, yeah, and they mentioned their name. And, and, when, and the thought of their name, when I heard it, it brought up that little twinge on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? And what I did is I, I, I did a little microaggression, and I kind of dismantled it. I said, yeah, but, and I kind of added a little bit of negative so as to, to, to reduce this person just a little bit. You ever been there before? Matter of fact, it so shocked me. The next time their name was brought up, I, 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 I was shocked. It's like, what, what's what's in me? What, what? Why? Why am I? Why am I doing that? And I had to be honest that there was a bit of root on the inside of me. See, the reality is, how do you know, Pastor? If there's a root inside of you, it'll come out through your words. Out of the abundance of the what saith the heart, the mouth speaks. So, so, we have to realize that sometimes if we don't process hurt appropriately, it can get unforgiveness and there can be bitterness. And the Bible says it not only defiles you, but it defiles many. It's like, listen, it's like setting yourself on fire and waiting for somebody else to die from smoke inhalation. It messes you up, but it also ultimately touches everybody else. I, I, I don't want to be trapped, I know what it's like to be trapped. I know what it's like, and I I don't want to be trapped. Pastor, what do you do? You got to learn to let it go. Everybody say, let it go. go. You and I have got to learn to let go. In other words, we got to bump and move real quick. When a hurt comes, when the disappointment comes, we got to process it. We got to get it out to God and to people that we love and trust. And we got to make sure that that root doesn't get deep down in our spirit. The second thing, The second emotion that I think can trap us is not only bitterness, but also we can move from comparison to envy and jealousy. And let me qualify this for a moment. There is something that's appropriate, natural to compare. We all compare, right? You compare, what do you wear? What does the other person wear? There's a certain level of the maturation of a child when they, when they develop, they evaluate social context and how to behave and okay, that's what to do and what to say and those are manners. and Okay, put the fork. there's a certain level of education that we get in life in maturing in life relative to our understanding of how to compare. That's appropriate. That's right. The problem is, is when comparison takes another step. Just like when hurt takes another step, when comparison takes another step and you move from comparison. See, comparison is, I like what you have. Jealousy and envy is, I want what you've got. And I'm mad that I don't have it. See, something shifts on the inside. Something shifts on the inside. Comparison again, nothing wrong with comparison on the front end. Matter of fact, when I was a... When I was a, a a kid, I had straight blonde hair. Straight blonde hair. Of course, I wanted curly hair, right? And all my friends that had curly hair, they wanted straight hair. So some of you right now, you know, I wish I had brown hair, or I wish I had red hair, or I wish I had hair, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that would be like an upgrade. And so, or maybe I wish I had, you know, Pastor Steve's hair. And so I'm just saying, 48, still got it. But nonetheless, (laughs) all all of us compare. The problem is, is when we take it to another level. I really believe that we are in a little quasi-identity crisis in our culture because of social media. Let me say a positive, then I'll say a negative. I appreciate technology. I appreciate media. The fact that we're able to connect with all of our campuses the fact that we're able to, to do what we do, that you 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 guys hear my voice through a microphone, there's so many so many pleasantries. There's so many things that serve us in life because of the development of technology. I, I appreciate that. I also know there's a. There, I also know there's a. A drawback to it as well, particularly social media. Let me talk about that just for a moment. I want to say this respectfully, okay? Uh, I, I, I'm not on a lot of social media. I know it's there's nothing wrong with it if it's used appropriately. For instance, Facebook. People put stuff on Facebook, and it's like, you know, and and, and then they or, or you know, on Instagram, and then they'll immediately look back 30 seconds later to see if anybody liked it. Then they get bitter about the people that didn't like it. Well, I don't care about them anyway. <laughs> Block, you know, <laughs> they're losers, but. So is this really adding to your life, you know what I'm saying? So the problem is, is that you get on Facebook and you see somebody, and, and so now all of a sudden, there's this like sideways, sideways, you know, frustration in your home, because like, do do you, do you know the Smiths? They've been to like Destin like four times this summer. <laughs> we went to Bay St. Louis once. Nothing wrong with all of our folks from Bay St. Louis. I just want to say that. <laughs> Nothing wrong. But, 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 but all of a sudden there's this comparison that's going on. And now it's moving. Here it is. It's creeping. It's moving from comparison to now envy and jealousy. Yeah. That's when it gets dangerous. James chapter 3, verse 14 and 16 says, But if you have bitter envy, and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast a lie against the truth. Pastor, is it really a big deal? I mean, it's just within my heart. Who really knows? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Look at the next verse. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Uh Uh-oh. For where, what's this next word? Envy. It's envy and jealousy. For where that is, and self-seeking exists, confusion and every, what's this? Evil thing are there. Uh Uh-oh. I just thought I was just like comparing myself, but I didn't realize I went up to another level. And I didn't realize what was growing in my heart. Sometimes we can be trapped by envy and jealousy. Jealousy causes people to do things that they never thought they would actually do. Have the capacity to do for, for 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 negative. Man, I I don't want that in my life. How about you? I, I don't want envy. I don't want jealousy. Paul says every evil work is there. The third thing that we can be trapped by, number one, is we can be trapped by bitterness by those roots of bitterness where, where it goes from hurt, which is natural, normal, we get disappointed, but we allow it to, 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 to fester and it moves into a bitter root. And then the second thing is that we start with comparison, we're evaluating, but then we go into jealousy and envy and that becomes a destructive emotion. Let me give you the third one. We go from anger to uncontrolled rage. Anger to uncontrolled now, I wrote this down. Anger is a natural emotion that God gives us that makes us passionate. Now, let me just qualify something. I'm a passionate person. I, 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 I believe that God gives us emotions. God's not freaked out. God's not scared by our emotions. As a matter of fact, God can utilize passionate emotions that we feel to help us advance great causes, to help us, what I would say, to right wrongs. You think of Mother Teresa. I read a story about her once, actually her book, and, and she was a, a, a young nun, and she was in the streets of India in Bombay, Mumbai. Now, And it was a place, and she, she looked around. She thought to herself, who's taking care of these people? Well, what's up? Somebody's got somebody's to do something. And she was part of a, a charity, a, a small work. And there was a passion in her heart, watch this, that, that motivated her and caused her to mobilize others to right a wrong. What was the wrong? People dying without love and care from leprosy. So, so I'm not talking about that. As a matter of fact, I, I think there's an appropriate level of emotion. God's made us with a whole realm of emotion. But what happens if it goes unchecked? What happens if you allow that emotion to go to a place where, where, where you move from righting wrongs to creating wrongs, to wronging yourself, your soul, to wronging other people? Do you remember Moses? What did Moses do? Moses one day was walking out. Remember, he was a what? A Hebrew and he was living in Egypt. He grew up in Pharaoh's house and he walked out there one day and what did he do? He saw his people, the Hebrew people being taken advantage of and I'll tell you what he did. He took matters into his own hands and he killed the Egyptian. He spent 40 years, listen, in the backside of the desert. Right, listen, right motive, wrong time. The timing was off. God was putting something in his heart. He started feeling those emotions. What were they? There, there, there was a deliverer that, that, that was being developed on the inside of him, but, he, but, he, but he, took, he took the wrong moment to do the wrong thing. Matter of fact, talk about unchecked anger. Do you know the number one reason, the reason why God didn't let Moses go into the promised land? Why, why Joshua? was the Number one reason is because when God told him to speak to the rock, he struck it anger kept, unchecked anger kept moses out from experiencing everything that god had him to experience so why is it pastor why is it that that this thing on the inside of me i mean i know god's made me passionate and and god utilizes that where i can help mobilize my sales team pastor and it's it's really awesome and and i can see because people you know enthusiasm is contagious pastor and 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 absolutely it is the problem is goal-oriented people and justice-minded people if you don't keep it in check you can go from anger to rage real fast real fast you got your goals you came to Church of the King in January and Pastor Steve, write down your financial goals, your spiritual goals, your physical goals, all your goals. You're fired up. You're pumped up. And then March comes and you're not on track. So you're frustrated and you're kind of aggravated. You know, you're going to read the Bible through in a year. You know, it's, it's Easter. You're like in Genesis 10. Gosh, man, I hate the Bible. I mean, I love the Bible, but I hate Pastor Steve. I mean, I love him, but I hate that message. Gosh, man, why am I not meeting my goals? So, you know what road rage is? It's a highly directional individual that's frustrated somebody. It's like, yeah, I'm going there. I'm there killing you because you got in my way. I want to talk to all the type A's here for a moment. Listen, and I am one. You've you got to learn, listen, you've got to learn that there's nothing wrong with being passionate. But when your passion gets unchecked and it moves into rage, real bad things happen. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, pastor, when you talk to me, he says, if you say a word and it touches a button, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, hold on, let me get some support before we have this conversation. I'm thinking to myself, like, does your head spin around? I mean, what happens? (laughs) I'm serious. I'm like kind of freaked. I'm like, like, can you give me a warning, something? And so what word is it? called the trigger if anger is your trigger you got to learn to get that in check James chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 where do wars and fights come from did that not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members you lust and do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask what's the problem It's a goal-oriented person that's not meeting their expectations. Their expectations, what they perceive God's expectations are, what they perceive everybody else's expectations, the goals in their heart. We've got to learn how to manage passion and not let it move into rage. You get trapped by that. Imagine that individual trying to go to work and walking around thinking to themselves, my gosh, I don't want any buttons. I I, I don't want anybody touching my buttons. So what are we talking about before we close? Number one, I'm talking about this. We have to, listen, we have to learn how to live unhindered, where we're not trapped, not by physical things, but by emotional things. Number one, hurts happen, life happens, disappointments happen, but we have to make sure to cut that thing off where that thing doesn't move from hurt to bitterness, where a root of bitterness traps us, comes out in our language, in our pictures, in our perspective of life. It colors our relationships. Number two, we've got to make sure that comparison doesn't go to jealousy and envy where there's that. You ever heard that, that old adage, that person's green with envy? You ever heard that before? That, that jealousy, it just makes people do crazy things. And the last thing is, is passion, somebody that's passionate. Bible says be angry and sin not. You can feel passion, but make sure that it's focused passion, to lift people and to not limit to encourage and not to discourage. You're a help and not a hurt or a hindrance to those around you, including yourself. So how do I get out of it? Let me give you three things and I'll close. Three things that I would call three detoxifiers. You guys learn anything so far? Y'all with me? Three detoxifiers. How how, how do I get out of this, Pastor? Number one, real simple. We've got to learn how to walk in our God-defined identity. Let me tell you why, because it's all connected. All of this is connected. When you and I I understand who we are, who God's made us to be, and we're comfortable in that, our identity secure, it's amazing how we live free of toxic emotion. Let me tell you two negative sources that we have to be careful of. Now listen to me closely. I'm gonna give you the first one, A, and I'm gonna give you the negative side. There's a positive, but there's a negative side. Here's one of the things that I learned in 2010 when I went through that burnout time. I am not what I feel. If you define your life by what you feel, you're in trouble. Because on any given day, you can feel a whole bunch of things. How many of y'all would be honest enough to say, Pastor, you know what? I have believed at different times in my life that I was what I felt. Anybody in here? I know that that's where I was. I'm just a fill in the blank. Based upon what? What you feel. Hey, listen, hang on, baby. That thing's gonna change in 30 minutes. And if you believe the lie, which I do believe is a lie, it's a humanistic lie of our culture that you are what you feel. Are you kidding me? Feelings come and feelings go. Let me give you another source of information that I think is false. It's our culture around us. If you believe that you are what culture says about you, and let me say a couple qualifications. I know we have some news anchors in our church. You guys do an awesome job. And I think you are probably one of the three news anchors that are going to heaven. So I just want to say that. I'm joking, but... I'm very careful. I think I've told you guys this before. I don't watch the news. I read it because I don't want the spirit that's on that person jumping on me. I don't, because so many of them, no biblical worldview, they're not speaking the wisdom of God. They don't have clarity according to God's word. And so here it is, I'm letting their spirit, their anxiousness, all of that stuff, that trepidation, all those things in their life. And so it's transformed Here's the thing. And so now all of a sudden you define who you are, what you are, what you have, what you don't have, based upon somebody that doesn't have God's perspective. Man, I don't want that. That's bondage. Look Look what Paul said in Galatians. And this is the message paraphrase. This is awesome. This is awesome. He said, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. So, we, listen, we ha- who we are and the assignment that we have. And you get comfortable in that. I'm telling you, it's powerful. And, this, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself Bible says don't have opinion too highly than you ought to have, but also don't have opinion too lowly. Know who you are, know who God's created you to be. Don't compare yourself with others. Now, let me just say this. I know this is a process. We're all growing in this, right? I'm 48 years old. I've been a Christian 29 years. One of the things I always say I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I would say it used to be. That's growth, that's Christian growth. So I want to be honest about that. And let me give an example. 19 or 18 years ago, I started Church of the King. I was 30 years old. And, you know, as a pastor, you know, you want to do right. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good preacher. And so you compare, you evaluate. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by other people until you move it to emulation, inspiration, then emulation, then copying, and then not being comfortable and trying to just be what they are. You see the progression, I'm inspired is okay, emulate, I'm learning, but now I'm trying to be them because I'm not comfortable, there's a problem with that. So there was a preacher, T.D. Jakes, who's an amazing African-American preacher, he's phenomenal. I remember listening to his tape one time, and I just said, I'm going to try it this weekend. He preaches, his vocabulary is just amazing, he just preaches, and, 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 and I, 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 just pre- I just gave it my best shot, probably 20 minutes into the message, I lost my voice. I just thought, because he knows how to range his voice and all this. He's got big big man power. And I'm like, can't do that. Next week, I'm going to do TGJ. That didn't work. And, of course, I started the Church of the King three months after Joel Osteen started. I thought, well, Joel Osteen, he's a popular preacher. Let me watch Joel Osteen. I watch Joel Osteen. He's smiling. And I love Joel Osteen. He's great. Okay, so you just need to know that. I really do like him. And he, he's smiling. You know, you're amazing. You are awesome. God loves you, I love you, everybody loves you. You're fantastic, you've got gifts, you're amazing. And I, I tried it, about 30 minutes of my message, and finally I'm like, I'm just not that happy. I just got, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm happy, but that's like another level of happiness. No, and, I'm, and I love him, I'm, he's really good, I, I do like him, I really do, and I, I really do. But I just, I'm just not that happy. I wanna be. So I can't do that. I just I can't. I, I can't lose my boy. So T.J.'s. I'm not happy as Joel Osteen. And so Charles Stanley, great Baptist preacher. I went to Baptist seminary. I thought I like Charles Stanley. Of course, he's like 110. They got him in a chair now. <laughs> he's like I'm. A, so listen. So I love him. I read all his books. You've a lot of my messages. I mean, I get inspired by him. He's got all the. Po- he's a point preacher. I'm a point preacher. So he's a point preacher, you know. And so you watch him, he's like, listen, God, listen, listen, God, listen, God. God's all atoning, all sufficient. Listen, listen, God. And I'm like, we're listening. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> so I, you know, I've done, I used to do preaching in person. So I can do him. And, and so I'm like, so I'm not TDJ's. I'm not as happy as Joel. I'm not as profound as Dr. Stanley. You know, he's doctor, I'm just profound. I'm just a funny guy with a good personality, my mom said. There comes a moment, you can learn, listen to me closely, you can learn from others, but you can't be others. Because, let me tell you, only they can be them. When you get comfortable in who you are, again, we can be inspired by others, but there's a sense of release, it's like, you know what, hey, hey, I'm not as great as I thought, but I'm not as bad as some say, and I'm making a difference, and I can be secure in God, that's the, You can live that way. Businessmen and women, listen to me. You want to do well and build your business and be inspired, and read the books, and Kathy Truitt, all these great people and all these, all these amazing leaders, and you can learn from them. But you can't run their race. You can't be them. In the end, we're actually going to be evaluated based upon, did we run our race that God gave us? So how, how do I get free of these toxic emotions? Number one, I've gotta walk in my God-defined identity. Two more quick things, and, and, and then I'll close. Number two is cultivate healthy relationships. Cultivate, See, Pastor, what does that have to do for being free from these negative emotions? A lot, a lot. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this, he who walks with wise men will be wise. And again, the converse, women, who walks with... It's people. Who walks with wise people will be wise. But the companion, you hang around fools, you'll be destroyed. Again, you've heard the old adage, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's so true. Question, ready? Here it is. Stay with me. Is there anybody in your life that can call you out and call you up to a higher level? Is there anybody? Is there anybody that can say, hey, you know what, man? I love you. But, you know, the way that you spoke with your wife at the restaurant, I was kind of made us awkward. You know, we were like, my wife and I were just like, Phew, gosh, like, I love you, man. I'm for you. But, wow, that was like heavy. That's why we love small groups. By the way, we're not saying you're going to be close to everybody in a small group, but at least there's a shot to get close to people. How do you know how do you know? Let me say this about Saturday night service. We have Saturday night service at 5.30 at this campus, 5 at South Shore. We're changing it, not next week, the following. All of our campuses will go to 5 o'clock. Remember, our Saturday night service here at Little Creek will be 5 o'clock. All right, not next week, but the following week. I love Saturday night service. Two things. One, I have a lot of energy. Don't judge me. And it's, it's, I get my first practice. So I do my message and I'll go back there and Pastor Randy Craighead, who's been a coach to me, a big brother for 17 years, he'll say to me, he'll say, Steve, listen, you were a little bit defensive on that one point. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, what do you mean? No, I'm just joking, I don't say it. I don't say it. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm sorry, I apologize, I just... But he goes, on this next point, he goes, you're, 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 you're looking a little angry. I think he'll say this, think Joel. You know, (laughs) so I have one or two responses to that. Number one is I can be real defensive and reactionary or I can take the coaching. Randy loves me, he's for me. He's a great pastor. Or I could go, he works for me. Talk about positional. Or I can say, you know, question, listen, I got about one or two minutes. When people try to call you up and out, do they have to calculate the emotional energy it's going to take to do that? I really need to tell them something, but I just, oh, it's a lot. They're heavy. Hold on. I don't want people doing that with me. Everybody say bump and move. I want people that love me, that are close to me, and say, you know, hey, Steve, listen. I, so, so, so the only way to do this, you've got to be close enough to people. You have to cultivate. Those will be the people that help you. Watch this, get, watch this, detoxified from these negative things. Man, you really seem jealous. Wow. Let me give you this third and final thing, and we'll close. Number three is learn to live a crucified life. I'll close with this scripture. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. Here it is. Paul writes to the church at Galatia. He says, I I have been crucified with Christ. Okay, question. Was Paul actually nailed to the cross? Yes or no? The answer is no. So what is he talking about? I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live. Something happened when Jesus, when Paul put his faith in Christ, something happened from an identification standpoint where Paul gave up his life as well to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Something about that is the Christian life. I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. Is Paul living physically, yes or no? Yes, what was he saying? That in my human flesh, in my body, there's something in my soul now, previous to becoming a Christian, it wasn't there. Now being a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit, the life of God, the power of the kingdom of God. Here's what he said, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does it mean to live the crucified life? I'll close with this. Do you remember Jesus? When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, It was real simple, it wasn't simple, simple, small statements, very profound implications. Not what, come on, finish it, what I want, but what you want. To live the crucified life, it's to make the daily choice where we're choosing to do what's best, what God says versus what we want. You know what we want? You know what I want when I get hurt? I want revenge sometimes. I want, you know what? that's what I want in my flesh but you know what God says let it go you know what happens when my wife does something that I'm not in agreement with you know she may hurt my feelings there's times where I've wanted to get even but God says it's not get even it's get right what do we want what does your flesh want impatience, lust, jealousy pride, unforgiveness that's what Don't miss this. I'm closing. That's what we want. But to live the crucified life is, it's, it's we live daily. This is what God wants. And if we do that long enough, listen to me very closely, all of those toxic emotions begin to lose their power on you. Jealousy, unforgiveness, envy, rage. It loses its grip. I know you're like me. How how many of y'all wanna live free of all that stuff? Come on, y'all wanna live free of all that? We gotta learn to live that life. Let me pray for you. I hope you guys received that today. Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence and your goodness. If you're in this place today and you do not know Christ, matter of fact, I'm gonna ask everybody to stand right now. If you're in this place and you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, our altar is gonna be open, we love to talk to you about what it means to serve Christ, to be a Christian. Also, our altar's open for anybody that needs prayer. Maybe there's something that I touched on today that was painful. Um, It touched you in the realm of maybe pain from a past or a relationship. Man, we're here to, the team's gonna continue to sing and we're here to, to minister to you. But if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Father, I just pray a blessing over your people. I pray the grace of God upon every man, woman, boy, and girl, Lord, teach us, teach us what it means to live truly free, that our souls would live unhindered and unhampered and, Lord, untrapped by jealousy and unforgiveness and bitterness, that we can truly be a free people. Lord, I pray your blessing. I speak the favor of God upon your lives as you go forth this day as free people, submitted to Christ, doing what God's called you to do, being what God's called you to be in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we bless him? We love you guys. You guys are amazing. Have a great weekend.